You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. It's amazing how vastly different various worship sets are. Like some songs that we do, like it, it's just, it's real soft, it's real intimate, it's real quiet. Not here, baby. <laughs> some worship sets tend to lend themselves, some worship songs tend to lend themselves towards more of a, a just a, a come Holy Spirit, fill me up. But then there's some worship sets that are victory based. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we are today. And it just reminds me of this this older gentleman that I knew. And I remember hearing this story of like every time that he would worship in his house, he would put this empty chair in the middle of the living room while he worshiped and then got into his prayer and devotions. And so finally somebody asked him, they're like, why do you put an empty chair in the middle of the living room whenever you worship? And he said, because every day, he was I wake up and I sit there and I tell the devil, you're going to take a seat right here and watch me worship my God. And he says, and it sets the tone for my day. And I just love that because I feel like right now, like this worship set is setting the tone. Amen. Amen. You know, you're on the winning side, church. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, would you prepare our hearts for your word to come forth? And I pray that your word Lord Jesus, that your word would penetrate the hardest heart. Father, that our hearts would be soft, that whatever it is that you desire from us, Lord Jesus, may we hand that over to you today. Father, we just speak against every stronghold because we know that every stronghold has already been won and has already bowed down at the foot of the cross. And so, Lord, as we move forward this morning during this gorgeous season of spring, represents growth and new life. I pray that this season that we're in would be a reflection of our heart, that our heart would be fertile ground for growth and new life, Lord Jesus. Because we recognize, God, that we're guaranteed new life in you. So Lord, may that principle become a reality. In Jesus' precious and holy name, and everybody said, would you give him one more shout of praise before you're seated? Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated if you're able to. Just want to throw out, uh, today our, our teenagers are doing a fundraiser for something called Speed the Light. How many of you have ever heard of Speed the Light? Anybody? A couple of you? Okay. And so Speed the Light is all about speeding the light of Christ around the world. And it's a missions initiative where teenagers, they, they raise these funds and these funds a hundred percent of them go directly to missions. It's not like, you know, 10% goes here, 10% goes there. A hundred percent of what is raised goes immediately onto the missions field. And I'll never forget years ago when I went on a, a missions trip to Colombia, I remember we were staying at this place where uh, in Colombia they were building a Bible school so that they could raise up pastors from within. 
And I remember they took us to this classroom, specifically me and, and one of the, a couple of the teenagers that we were with, and they said, uh, do you see this classroom? And they start pointing out, you know, we have our camera system over here, which helps us film and live stream the classes so that we can archive it and eventually do online classes. And do you see this screen? It helps us teach so that we can show the scriptures on the screen and we're all together in unity. And they start showing us all this different equipment around the room. And they said, your church, do you remember a year and a half ago when your church did Speed the Light? We said, yeah. They said, this is where it all went. And it was just so cool to stand in that place where every dollar that we gave over here ended up in here. And it was just so surreal to stand in the place where you're like, man, I remember a year and a half ago, us giving and, and so on and so forth. And so church, I would love for that to be your story so that someday when we go on a mission trip as a church, you guys can go, the teenagers can go and say, this is where that fundraiser went to. But it starts with us here now giving to it. Amen. So I want to challenge you, just go be a blessing. They'll be here this week and I believe next week. If they hadn't planned on being here next week, I'm telling the youth department now, you'll be here next week. And so just want to challenge you again to be a part of this fundraiser. It, it, it really is incredible. I'm also very uh, pleased to announce, you know, um, whenever uh, uh, Kate Liedig had, had stepped down from the ministry uh, director position, uh, there was a big void and I'm, I'm happy to say that that void has been filled and I'm happy to announce today that the new women's ministry director will be Amanda Bartowski. We can give it up for Amanda. Amanda, would you stand and just give us a wave? Would you give it up for Amanda one more time? And I'm so excited, uh, Amanda, we, you know, uh, after uh, a meeting with, with Kate, there had been a mention of, you know, maybe a, a name change is due, and, and we just kind of sensed that, yeah, it's time because our church, our church is going to be going through a new name change because we're heading into a, a season of newness and freshness, and we're so excited about that, and just kind of sensed that that was a pattern also, that it's time for a new name, and, and I'm so stoked for, for the new name for the women's ministry. Are you ready for it? Come back in a couple of weeks, and we'll uh, and we'll reveal it. So there's gonna we're gonna be rolling out, and isn't that cruel? I enjoy it. I, I don't know, but um, in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be rolling out a new name for the women's ministry. And just again, so excited for how God has aligned it with where He's leading us as a church. So excited for what is yet to come in the uh, in the women's ministry. And I'm also very excited to announce that as of about two to three weeks ago. Uh, Crossroads Community Church is officially debt-free by paying off more than $250,000 on our mortgage. It's nice whenever you have a 20 or 30 year loan that gets done in like eight years. I'm just saying. So we are so excited again for what God is doing. Thank you for your faithfulness and giving and tithing. All we know right now is that God is preparing us for something great that is ahead of us. Um, shared with first service and just want to mention again that, you know, if you're new with us, just forgive me for this moment, just trying to provide a, a church update. We've been talking about this land behind our church that we were uh, looking to buy, but recently just through our, our lawyer and, and various findings that it is not going to be a possibility for us to purchase the land behind our church. So some may be saying, okay, so what's next? And what we're looking at is we're believing that God is going to open up the perfect piece of land at the perfect time and that he's going to open up that door. Amen. And so be on the lookout for more updates. But we're also asking, we understand that many, um, we have a lot of, an abnormal amount of realtors in our church. I mean, I'm telling you, I feel like everybody, hi, how you doing? I have a realtor's license. Okay, good to meet you. It's just like, 
And so um, we understand that we have a lot of realtors in our church, and we're asking our church family and our realtor friends to keep your eyes out. Um, what I'm believing for, and I know it's a tall order, is I would love if God opened up a door for us to be right out along 100 with a nice piece of property, six to 10 acres would be beautiful so that we can just continue on and continue on growing. Until that time, our backup plan, because uh, second service, it's looking a little bit full, and first service was at capacity. Um, I, I would, yeah, give God some praise. It wouldn't surprise me if come this fall, if we end up heading in the direction of a third service. It wouldn't surprise me maybe on a Sunday morning where there's uh, no child care. It's just for, you know, those who maybe have gone through that season already. You're like, I did my time. I'm ready to reap what I sowed. And so it may be a service along those lines, maybe a Saturday night service, not sure. We're just knowing that God is supplying and he's, he's building us towards something. I'm, I'm so excited because I know that whatever God has in front of us is better than what's behind us. And what's behind us is really good. <laughs> like these past three and a half years have just been surreal, what he has done. And I'm just like, God, like if you're this good in behind us in the rearview mirror, I can't imagine what you have in front of us. And so would you dream with me? Would you pray with me? And just add this to your prayer list again, that God would open up the doors for a property in this local area. We feel led. We're not going to be relocating to like the other end of Allentown or whatever it may be. We know that God has called us here to this area. So now it's just a matter of waiting for him to open up the doors. And in the meantime, we're putting together some plans so that we can continue to navigate this growth as a church. Would you just give him some praise for how faithful he's been? Awesome. And so if you're new with us, you know what you're getting yourself into now. All good things. All good things. We're closing out our series today on missions. It has just been an incredible couple weeks of just talking about, again, doing what God has called us to do, to, to not only give, but also go. And I'm so excited that in the weeks ahead of us, we're still going to be having some missionaries come in because we still are going to be taking on a few more. And I'm excited for you to meet them. But missions is very near and dear to my heart, and, and today I really want to talk about this phrase. Growing up as a pastor's kid, I'm very familiar with spiritual statements. I'm very familiar with what I call church lingo, and that's language and terminology that may be biblically rooted, absolutely, but it's terminology, phrases, and points that we kind of throw around, and it makes sense within these four walls, but you go and talk to somebody else about that outside of these walls, and they're like, what? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so, like, here today, like, I'll never forget this, this one individual, I, I believe I was at a wedding, and somebody had brought up something, and I said, you know, I, I'm going to have to, I'll, I'll have to pray about that and see what the Lord says, and they looked at me and went, what? You got to pray about it. And he, I remember this individual, he looked at me, he goes, and then what? <laughs> I'm like, well, it depends on what God says. What God says? Yeah, God, God talks to me. <laughs> he what? And I just remember this door was opened up to be like, yeah, like, why, why would I have faith in a God that doesn't talk? That's just... Stupid. I'm just saying. I'm like, what, what are you doing with your life if you're investing your entire faith and belief and ultimately eternity into a God that never, you have no relationship? But thank God that's not our story as believers. And I just remember that with these, these different phrases, one of the ones that I heard all the time was, was the hands and feet. 
I'm like, what's wrong with your hands and feet? Well, you know, the hands and feet of Jesus. Okay, I know like his were pierced, but what does that have to do with us? And I remember as a kid hearing this phrase over and over again. And again, it's biblically rooted. That's all good. But it was constantly like, yeah, let's go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm just like that. Okay, I understand that that kind of means like we go and serve, but I never understood how deep that statement was until I was about 13 or 14 years old. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, but I want to talk about the depth of that statement. The depth of that statement never made sense until I was 13 years old, and there was an individual from my father's church that he owned a landscaping company, and, and this was before like child labor laws were like, you know, on the books. <laughs> And I remember at 13 years old, he came to me and he's like, Donnie, I'll pay you X amount of dollars cash for, for being you know, involved in this landscaping company. And for many people, this was good money, let alone a 13-year-old who had an obsession with racing motocross. So I'm like, yes, Lord. And so I go into this, this business and I come to find that one of the contracts that I was primarily in charge of working at was a 30 to 40 um, 30 to 40 acre cemetery, all headstones and hills. Yeah. And I still remember this day at 13 years old. I remember waking up at three and four in the morning with my arms locked like this from holding a weed whacker for hours on end, going like this around each and every one of the headstones. Taught me a work ethic that no amount of therapy could ever get out of you. I'm just saying, trust me, I know. You know, it's pretty bad when somebody wakes you up out of a dead sleep and you go, ring, 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 ring. and so I remember at 13 years old, though, I, I remember my father coming to me and him saying, you know, you, you need to go, we're going to go on a mission trip, you and I. And I'm just like, um, I'll pray about it. He's like, that's not going to work with me. Okay. And so I, I remember being really flustered. I remember being really upset. Because I knew that that was going to be a week out of my summer. I knew that that was going to be a week of missing really good money. And I not only knew those two things, but I knew that on a missions trip, you pay them to go work. That was my perspective at the time. And I'm just like, let me get this straight. We're, we're going to pay $1,300 on an all-exclusive trip to work. This doesn't make sense to me. I'm out. And my dad was like, no, you're in. And so I remember going on this trip, and I remember church, like, I would love to tell you and sound, like, really spiritual right now and be like, as soon as the plane took off, I understood. The Shekinah glory filled the cabin. Angels appeared before me, and I saw St. Peter saying, yes, my son. Never happened. As a matter of fact, like, I remember, I remember sitting on this plane going, I hate this. And I'm looking out the window, and I am bitter. And like, you know, they, do you want any peanuts? And I'm like, no! <laughs> and I just remember this was, this was absolutely horrible. And I would love to tell you that as soon as we got to the orphanage that we were serving at, that it all melted away. It didn't. And I'm so thankful for some that are in this room where you have a testimony of radical turnaround. Like God, like, he like, <laughs> he like St. Paul'd you. Like you ran into him on a road and just bam, he was there. And that's incredible. Thank God for that. But I also want to speak to those here today where your testimony is it's a process. And I want to give thanks to God for that too. 
Because for me, it was a bit of a process in different moments in my life. And I just want to say that, church, like if you feel like you feel less than because you don't have a radical turnaround story, don't count yourself out. He's just chipping away at things with you slowly. You'll still be a beautiful creation. And I remember it, on, this, on, this, on this mission trip, though, I remember like I started to finally understand little bit by little bit what being the hands and feet of Jesus really meant. I remember showing up to an orphanage, and it was early in the morning, and the kids didn't know that we were there yet. And as soon as they opened up the, the cafeteria doors where they had just had their breakfast, I just remember all of these kids just by an overwhelming amount pouring out into this courtyard and just tackling us. And these kids were just so precious, and I remember for the first time in my life, I came to understand what it really meant when Jesus said, I want you to care for the orphans. And I remember like my heart for the first time breaking for kids. As the, as the instructors, as the people who headed up this orphanage began to tell us, like, you do not give these kids any money because the drug dealers in the area will steal the kid in order to get the money. And I remember hearing stories of how some of these kids came to be at the orphanage. And I remember, I remember the first time that I learned like what it meant to offer worship that you had to offer with a heart of sacrifice. One of the things that we get misconstrued in our American mindedness is we show up in here, we show up here and we sing songs and we worship, and that's all good and that's all biblical, but that's not all that worship is. You see, we've forgotten the Old Testament principle that worship requires sacrifice. And we've gotten comfortable just asking for the blessing and not paying for the sacrifice. And I remember showing up and it was this this couple's house and they invited us in, and I use the term house loosely. It was nothing more than tin and dirt floors and a couple side rooms. And I remember that these people, they welcomed us in and they were so proud. And then they offered us something to eat and to drink. Now, to you, that may not seem like a big deal. You're like, okay, you know, get water out of the faucet. That, see, no, they didn't have one of those. And so their hospitality cost them something. For them to welcome us in cost them. And all of a sudden, I started to understand that scripture that says, I want you to be hospitable without grumbling. Because in biblical times, to be hospitable, to welcome outsiders in, it didn't cost them, it cost you. And I came to understand like just how thankful I was for this couple to welcome us in. I'll never forget Whenever we went to our first church service, and the building was just kind of like the house I just described to you. The building was nothing more than a tin shack and sandy floors, and the chairs, they didn't have to have cushions. They didn't have to have pews. They literally just brought whatever camping chairs they had from home into the building. And I remember that for the first time in my life, I came to realize that the body of Christ, to worship Jesus, you, you don't need HVAC. You don't need running water. You don't need lights. All you need is Jesus. He's enough. 
And in this little shack, you begin to feel the presence of God so strongly and the love of Jesus so strongly. And you could see that these people were genuinely just happy to offer themselves as a living sacrifice in whatever they had. And I came to realize for the first time in my life that the church doesn't need any of this. All we need is Jesus. That the building doesn't make the church, it's the people. And little by little, I could go on. Little by little, I came to understand what the hands and feet of Jesus, that statement, truly meant. So I want to talk about the depth of being the hands and feet of Jesus with you here today. The feet of Jesus, if you're here and and maybe you're newer to a church experience and that terminology confuses you just like it did me. Allow me to explain. The feet of Jesus are those who are willing to be moved by God. I want to say that again. The feet of Jesus are those who are willing to be moved by God. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 10? It's where we're going to be spending a majority of our time here together. And if you didn't bring the word of God with you here today, one of our ushers is going to be around with a taser. Y'all laugh. Until it happens. See, I grew up, uh, uh, one of my best friends owned a farm, and I grew up playing something called cattle prod tag. You knew when somebody tagged you. Bring your Bible, people. Throughout the Word of God. Is he serious? Just wait and find out. Throughout the Word of God, we, we marvel and, and look up to those who have been moved by God. We, we, we talk about them and like, we act like we want to like emulate them. And those are all good things throughout the word of God. Those who are like most noticed for doing like the most and being used in the most, they're usually those who were moved by God the most. For example, we have Abraham who was instructed to leave his country and his relatives to go to the land that God would show him in Genesis chapter 12. And out of Abraham's obedience to being moved by God, he still today, he was so influential then that still today we are singing songs about him. Don't believe me? Father Abraham. And there it is. The guy, his influence still lives on today. Why? What did he do? Simply put, he was willing to be moved by God. If you want your life to matter, if you want your life to count, if you want that little dash mark to make sense on your tombstone someday, be a person who's willing to be moved by God. Ruth would leave her own family to serve her mother-in-law. Ruth chapter 1 Her story would be woven into the fact that God uses small stories in the grand scheme of big things, and he wants to use your story. Twelve men would leave all that they had ever known in order to follow Jesus. Of course, I'm referring to the twelve disciples. We make them so glitz and glamour. Oh, the twelve disciples, the saints, the apostles. No, they're more like the dirty dozen. Just saying. They would give up, though, everything that they knew and follow Jesus to such a degree that still today we would look up at their example of being moved by the Son of God. Paul would give up political power, influence, in order to go in wherever God sent him, quite frankly. 
He'd become arguably one of the most incredible evangelist missionaries and church planters that the world has known. The point is this, church, God calls us to be a story of being moved by Him. If you're wondering, what is God doing? Let's just say, like, picture your life as a journal, and you wonder, God, what are you doing as you fill in the pages? A part of that story, that life journal, should contain that you are a person who is continually moved by God. Romans chapter 10, verse 15 says, How then can they call on the one, meaning the lost, by the way? That's the they. How then can they call, that's uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 15, by the way. I hear some of the pages flipping. That is a beautiful sound, by the way. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Romans, we're we're talking about being moved by God. How beautiful, you could put it this way, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news and are moved by God. We often brag and look up to those, and, and rightfully so, we often brag and look up to those who gave their everything, right? Like the, the disciples, they left their profession, they left like absolutely everything. But we often think that God, the only thing he wants from us is for us to be homeless, and here's what I mean by that is like, we believe that like where we are right now, like I got to give up my 401k, I got to quit my job, I got to live out of a box in downtown Allentown. Like if I am going to serve Jesus and really be moved by God, then, then I got to give up everything and make no mistake that yes, God does call us to give up things in order to pursue him. How many of you have figured out that biblical truth? Amen. And I thank God because what I gave up is far better than what he had, or excuse me, far less than what he had. Don't judge me. (laughs) Being moved by God, we often look up to those who who have given up everything. And yes, that that is one way that God moves. But did you also know that God asks you the very question that he asked Moses? What's in your hand? Meaning, I have given something to you that you possess here and now that I want to work with here and now. He gave David influence. Again, we often look, for whatever reason, we often look at influence and wealth as like the 11th and 12th um, uh, commandments, that you should not have those. And yet, God often uses people in positions of influence and means. And all throughout the New Testament, there's these different stories where you could kind of look at it as God asking various people, what's in your hand? What have I given you that you have yet to lay down for my purpose is the question. And one of the people, if you turn with me over into Romans chapter 16 now, flip over to Romans chapter 16. Don't put the scripture up yet on the, on the screen because I have some people in this sanctuary who like to work ahead. Stop it. But one of these stories that I'm about to read in Romans chapter 16, and we've talked about her before, Phoebe. 
Phoebe stands out because, well, one, Paul refers to her as a deacon. And that gives us permission today in today's time to recognize that women have a place in ministry. That women have a place in ministry. There it is. And we recognize that, that Paul used this noun in a feminine version. He says deaconess. And Paul doesn't just throw around words meaninglessly. As a matter of fact, he is very strategic in the words that he speaks because he doesn't want them misconstrued. He refers to her as a deaconess, which also we recognize here today that women have a place in ministry and women have a place on church boards. Deaconess. And if we're offended by that, then go take it up with Paul. He said it. And so this scripture stands out to us because we see this beautiful moment where Phoebe, a a female, is referred to as a deaconess, but then Paul uses this other word that validates the point that I'm getting at here today, that God not only calls us to, to leave stuff, but he also calls us to use what's in our hands. Romans chapter 16, verse 2, I'll explain in a moment. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help that she may need from you. For she has been, and this is the word that I'm going to focus on here this morning, the benefactor of many people, including me. Benefactor is the word that I want to talk about. This may seem insignificant to you. Okay, she benefited people, so what? But you have to understand, number one, the fact that Phoebe is carrying a letter from Paul is a big deal. They didn't have mail carriers. It wasn't a a UPS job or a FedEx job. If somebody carried a written note by you, that was a person of honor, integrity, and highly esteemed. The fact that Paul trusted Phoebe to do that is just incredible. But then, as we talked about, Paul refers to Phoebe as a deacon, which speaks of her involvement in the mission of the gospel and in the church. Then Paul uses this word for Phoebe. He says that she has been a benefactor. In the Greek, that word is prostatus. And most scholars are in agreement that this word is applied to people of means and influence. It's believed that Phoebe was actually an entrepreneur or a businesswoman. And the reason why that is believed is because of the word benefactor that is used to describe her, but also where she's from. In Centuria, in Centuria during this time, it was a main port for trading. And that's where Phoebe comes from. So you put it all together and you start to understand that Phoebe is re- being referred to as someone of means and influence. She lived in Centuria, which was a crucial training port during the time. And this most likely means that Phoebe was someone that was willing to be moved by God with what she had. What is in your hands? God used her to build the New Testament church and aid, arguably, one of the most three, top three influential apostles out of her obedience. And now out of her obedience, her story is interwoven into the world-changing, life-saving gospel message of Jesus Christ and the mission of building the first church. Church, I got to ask you. How does God want you to move forward? 
is God asking you to leave certain things in your life? He indeed has moved people in this church out of their careers and profession and into ministry. That does happen, but not everyone. For some here in this room today, you've fallen into the mistake of thinking that you don't have anything that God wants. One, God has given you everything that you have, and two, it's for a purpose that's bigger than you living a happy life. God's more concerned about your life being fruitful than He is about you being happy all the time, and thank God for that. So the question is, is how does God want you to move forward here today? Are you called to move away from things, or are you called to give things that are already in your hands? And let me ask you, first and foremost, let me ask you this question. And don't answer it out loud, but answer it internally, internally, in an honest way. Are you willing to be moved? Like honestly. Are you willing to be moved by God? Everybody wants the blessing. Everybody wants to be remembered as a person who gave their all. Everybody wants that, but few people are willing to pay the cost. So I want to ask you, like, are you willing to be moved by God? If God really does call you to give your everything, are you willing? If God really does call you to give that which he's already put in your hands like Moses, are you willing? Because if you're not willing, then friend, you cannot expect to be used by him. You just can't. If you're not willing to be moved by God, then don't ask for the blessing of God because ultimately what you're saying is, God, I'm going to be disobedient over here, but would you bless it? Are you willing to be moved by God? Because if you're here today and you say, yes, I am so stoked for you. Like seriously, buckle up, buttercup. Like I'm just saying, you're in for a wild ride. It's going to be incredible. There's nothing like being used by God. There's nothing like being able to sit here and go, that's what it means to be moved. That's what it means to be his hands and feet and serve him. It's incredible. There's nothing like being that person in Romans chapter 10 that we just discussed, the person who's going with the mission, going with the message. But we have to be willing to be moved. The feet of Jesus are those who are willing to be moved by God. What about the hands? The hands of Jesus are those who are willing to do the work of Jesus. I want to say that again. The hands of Jesus are those who are willing to do the work of Jesus. There's just something about doing charitable, is it often the term that we use, charitable work. I like to call it Jesus work. But there's just something about blessing others that feels so stinking good. Anybody? Like, I mean, there's just something in you that you can't tell me. Like, you do something nice for someone and you can't tell me that didn't feel good. Like, even if it's, has anybody ever gotten caught up in a pay it forward line? Yeah. Yeah. I got the person who was getting coffee for their entire office floor one time. And I grubbled. It just felt so stinking good. 
And I've heard stories, for those of you who don't know what pay it forward is, pay it forward is when you're in the line at the drive-thru or at a cash register and you pay for the person's order behind you. And it starts a chain reaction where everybody starts showing up and typically the people working the window of the cash register will say, yours has been paid forward. Would you like to pay it forward for the person behind you? And it starts this chain reaction. And I, I remember hearing stories at a Starbucks line, oh, Starbucks needs Jesus. And I remember hearing this story. It went on for like eight or nine hours straight. Just order after order after order. Pay it forward, pay it forward, pay it forward till some jerk shows up. <laughs> eight or nine hours. Why? Why would people do that? Because even people who don't know Jesus come to understand through their internal feelings and the work of the Holy Spirit that you weren't put on this world to live for you. You were put on this earth to serve others. And there is something so gratifying about serving someone else that just wells up inside of you that you can't help but crack a smile. That's what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To always walk in that purpose of knowing my life matters. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45 says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Jesus telling us, don't you get it? You're put on this planet for others. I heard it said like this, every day you're given an incredible opportunity, something that you didn't have yesterday. Time. And every day you're given an incredible opportunity to move beyond words and show Jesus and others how much you love him and how much he loves them. Every day you and I are given this opportunity. We're called to serve the Lord beyond our church attendance. Come on, somebody. Every day you're given an opportunity to give God a gift that you never have before. Think about that for a moment. You're given a, an opportunity today to give God a gift that he's never received from you before through an act of serving others. As you begin to commit your work to Jesus, you bless God with an incredible gift called worship and love and adoration. In this gift that you've been given, you've been given the ability to impact others' lives and give them a glimpse of the Father's love. In this gift of serving and being His hands, you're, you're becoming more like Him as He molds and shapes you through this service. As you serve your spouse, your kids, this gift is molding and shaping their lives and giving them a glimpse of the Father and His love and all that He has done. And all of this is being done simultaneously as you begin to commit yourself to being the hands of Jesus, just doing the work that he's called you to do. I heard it said like this, when Christians go out into the world as his feet, they also carry with them the hands of Jesus. Tending, preserving, serving, and healing the world that he loves and has entrusted his followers to care for. 
And if they adhere to the gospel message, submit to the authority of Jesus, and receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they go with the anointing of Jesus as well. So let me paint you a picture for a moment. Those that are the hands of Jesus, this is what they're doing with their lives. They're loving their neighbors, taking care of the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the needy, being hospitable to strangers, even if it costs you something, by the way, church, healing the sick, forgiving others, promoting justice and mercy, promoting peace, caring for the captive, the prisoner, and the oppressed, and dedicating all of their life's work to Jesus. We could go on, but I believe you understand the basis of what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Those that are the hands of Jesus continually walk in a place of knowing that their life is fulfilling. I want you to think about that for a moment. Those that are being moved by God and doing the work that He's called them to are relieved of the anxiety of wondering if my life matters. They're relieved of the anxiety of saying, am I doing enough for him? They're relieved of the anxiety of someday being on their deathbed if it's granted to them. And they're heading towards their final breath. They're relieved of their final breath being one of regret, saying, I wish I would have done more. And they're guaranteed that final breath of saying, Lord, I'm ready. The question then I have to ask you is this, how can I be in the hands of Jesus? I want you to ask that. How can you be the hands of Jesus? In the season of life that you're in with what you have or maybe that you're heading towards, how can you be the hands of Jesus? And the reality is this, as the worship team makes their way forward, you and I, we get to be both hands and feet. Now, yeah, some here today, you might operate in one in a greater propensity than you do another. For example, some, they operate right where they are. They are the hands. And for some, they're just really good at going. Going here, being led by God, doing this, whatever it may be. Yeah, you might have a greater propensity, but ultimately, you and I are called to be both. And I want to challenge you to ask the question, like, what has God given me that I have yet to give back to him? God's put something in your hands, church. Talents, hobbies, spiritual gifts. He's given you something that you can give back to him. Is it okay if today, as we head towards our close, 80% of the congregation re-engages at the statement, close statistically. So close, 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 close. Here at our close together. And as we close the service today, and I lean into my closing, should be up to 100% by now. I want to talk to you about some of the missionaries that we're supporting. Is that okay? Here's some of the missionaries that we're supporting and what they're doing as they live out being the hands and the feet of Jesus. First, we have the Bailey family, ministering in a country that I can't say, but ministering in the Arab world. 
And the Bailey family, if you remember, they were here about a year and a half ago, and I love them because the Baileys are kind of gangster. <laughs> the Baileys kind of operate their ministry like the mob. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like they were in a country where you weren't allowed to have Bibles, so what did they do? They smuggled those babies right in. Smuggled Bibles in. And not only that, but Bob, he, he was working at a CrossFit gym for a while. So people would go in for fitness and they'd leave with Jesus. And I just love the fact that it's cross-fit. Cross-fit. If you're not getting it, then just never mind. Then we have the DeTrolio family that will be with us next week, by the way. And I think I'm saying this title right. He might correct me whenever he comes. They're in the aquaponics ministry. And this is where Sam goes into third world countries and raises fish for protein. Their wastewater goes to feeding plants and vegetables. And all while he's doing this, he has an opportunity to share the gospel with those who are in need. Incredible. He raises fish in third world countries. The fish provide protein. The wastewater provides nutrients for vegetables and whatever else they need to grow. And while people come for this resource, they're ministered to and they receive the gospel. How creative. You have Tom and Brooke Harshberger, missionaries in Ireland. Not only do they host school assemblies and bring the gospel message into uh, like I said, the public school system there, but I've been to Ireland, and something that you have to understand is that Ireland is very religious, but they lack relationship. And the Harshburgers are currently working on breaking through that. And another thing that they, they started doing is they uh, help with a conference for missionaries' kids, where missionary kids, they either go to them or they meet in, in Ireland. And, and Tom and Brooke Harshburger, they minister to our missionary kids, keep our missionary kids in prayer missionary kids, little known fact, many missionary kids suffer from PTSD as a result of being on the missions field. Either just the fact of, of picking up and, and going and, and, and to a country that's hostile, but also I want you to imagine, especially parents in the room today, I want you to imagine sitting down with your toddler kids and having a conversation with them along the lines of saying, now there might be strangers who break into the house and they take mommy and daddy and they ask us if we are followers of Jesus. And if they ask us that question, we want you to know that you're not going to see us after that moment. And here's where you're going to go and here's how you're going to get help. I want you to imagine having that conversation with your kids. Because that's a reality that many of our missionaries are living in. So Tom and Brooke invite these missionary kids in and they love on them and they bless them and they get them whatever help they need. We have Michael uh, Cubis, the Youth Alive Director. He's essentially a missionary to public schools. Michael helps students start Bible clubs in public school systems and trains teens on how to share their faith in the public school system. There's a family, again, I can't say their name, but there's a family that we support that's in the Middle East. And they're a part of an initiative, a global initiative called Live Dead. 
And Live Dead is a missions initiative where they know that the missions field that they are called to might cost them their life. When they join this missions initiative, it's with the understanding that their suitcase might as well be a coffin because they're not coming back. They're going in the missions field to give the Lord absolutely everything that they have. We support Tim O'Brien, missionary to Asia, and although Tim has been displaced by civil wars, he's recently relocated and continues to minister to people in Asia through a variety of ways, whether it's teaching, Bible studies, or my favorite, he's a skilled chef. We support the Perdans, missionaries in Japan. They were here about a year and a half ago as well. The Perdans not only, well, let me just break it down this way. The Perdans minister to Japanese as well as the Japanese deaf community. Let me put it to you this way. The Perdans speak Japanese and also Japanese sign language. I can speak redneck, hillbilly, and English. Sometimes simultaneously. The Perdans. I, I, I didn't realize that, I mean, it makes sense. Sign language is not a universal language. They know Japanese and Japanese sign language. And one of the things that Perdans are doing is there's this main rail system, train system that goes right through Japan where hundreds of thousands of people use this train rail system. And the Perdans are on a missions initiative to start up pop-up churches all along those tracks so that as hundreds of thousands of people commute, they're walking through churches that are inviting them in. We support an individual by the name of Jesse Comrie, very reserved, quiet fellow, who was here a couple weeks ago. If you missed it, you missed it. Jesse Comrie, of course, is going around and not only hosting revival services, but he's hosting revival services in other countries with the strategic plan of planting churches as a result of those services. Doug and Susan Sayers are starting youth ministries and churches in Latin America. You have to understand that youth ministry is pretty common in our American context. Outside of America, youth ministry is brand new. In other countries, young people are looked at as less than, and therefore there's really not a need for youth ministry. Doug and Susan Sayers are going into Latin America and changing that. And they're starting youth ministries at churches and they're teaching the people how to start and pastor in youth ministry. We support Convoy of Hope as missionaries. This is an emergency relief program where natural disasters, whether, whether it's natural disasters, poverty-stricken areas in other countries, either way, Convoy of Hope provides food, clothing, medical assistance, whatever the people need, whether it's cleanup, flood damage, you name it, they do it. And at the end of all of this, they provide the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. We support the University of Valley Forge as a missions organization with the understanding that the University of Valley Forge over in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania is producing pastors, missionaries, and evangelists and sending them out into the world. And if they're sending people out into the world, we want to help them get there. Amen. Amen. We support Aaron Holt with Lead the Generation. 
This is an initiative where he's raising up youth pastors across the country. Aaron Holt could be considered a U.S. missionary. Most youth ministries in the United States, more than 70% are led by um, pastors or leaders that are volunteer. Therefore, Aaron Holt provides an online training program that trains and raises up youth pastors and equips them on everything that they need to know from running a Bible study to marketing, youth ministry, branding, and so on and so forth. And lastly, we support Life's Choices Pregnancy Center in Cutstown because we want to make sure that we're ministering to moms in need and that we're seeking to save literal lives. So we support the Pregnancy Center. What is God calling you to move towards? What's in your hand? What is God calling that he's saying, like, I want to use you in this way? Like, you've got to admit, can we all agree that what we just led off, what we just read off is a pretty creative list? With what's, can I get a witness? There's a lot going on. Sign language, Japanese. I just, aquaponics. Sam was like one of my roommates in college. He, he didn't go to fish school. It's just something that the Holy Spirit gave him and birthed in him, and now he's running with it. This is the kid that almost got kicked out of school for making homework, homemade fireworks. I cannot wait to tell you more detail next week and embarrass him. I'm just, if something blew up, we just looked for Sam. And now he's running around the world. Aquaponics. What has the Holy Spirit given you? What is God calling you to walk away from? Some of you, you're, you're, you need to walk away from some relationships in your life. There's just sinful relationships in your life. And I want to be clear just before anybody takes that and runs with it. Not for, that doesn't apply to married couples. For some, he's changing up your profession. For some, he's simply asking. He's saying, I've given you influence. You're a person of means, and I've given you that for a purpose. Because I don't know about you, but someday, when all that's left of me in this world is a dash mark on a tombstone, it's some cemetery in Pennsylvania, I want people to remember that dash mark and say, that guy lived for Jesus like I've never seen anybody else do. My heart is that my dash mark, people are going to say, that's a person who was moved by God. And church, if you and I want that, if you and I want to make an eternal impact, then we have to be willing to be moved. And we also have to be willing to do the work. Would you stand with me as we close out in a word of prayer? And I'm going to ask, would every head be bowed and every eye closed? And I just want to have prayer just for a moment. We're heading towards our close, 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 closing and re-engaging. Without anybody looking around, I want to ask you, if you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I feel like God is moving me towards something. Or I feel like God is asking me that question, what's in your hands? And I'm not really sure like, where to go from here. I'm kind of scared about the next step. If that's you here today, without anybody looking around, would you just lift your hand up high? 
I see hands going up all over. Just keep them up. I just want to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Just We're all in this together. I just want to pray with you. So dearly, Father, for each and every hand that was raised or every person who wished they would have raised their hand, God, I pray that as they step out in faith, that you would meet them there in the most obvious way. I pray that as they answer that question, what's in your hands, that they would hold nothing back from you, God. And Lord, as they ask that question, where are you moving me? I pray that there wouldn't be any place that they're afraid to go. I pray that they wouldn't be afraid to leave whatever is in the past in the past. I pray that they would leave it, Lord Jesus, with passion and zeal. And God, as they begin the work of being your hands and feet, I just pray that, Lord, you would meet them there. That they would be able to walk away and say, I encountered the presence of God today. Lord, would you give them, would your Holy Spirit give them creativity? Similar to what we just read on this list, that you're moving in so many ways. Would you give them new ideas, new ways of thinking? And lead them, Lord Jesus, in a lifestyle that exemplifies being your feet and being your hands. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Before you go, if you're one of those ones who've raised their hands, and even if you're not, if you're not serving in a ministry here at Crossroads Community Church, I just want to say something real clear. Some, some look at an at a invite like this as, oh, you're just trying to get us to do more work. No. And if you have that perspective, why don't you wait a while? You're probably not ready. But if you're here today and you're like, Pastor, like, talk, tell me about serving. I, let me just say this, that like we have a, a hands-free method of getting people plugged into serving because we're not inviting you to do something. We're inviting you to be a part of something. And if you're not serving in a ministry here, I really want, really want to challenge you either go online and fill it out or one of our invite cards in the back for ministries here. There's, if you're like, Pastor, but I don't know where to start, just sign up for them all and try one at a time. Just seriously, keep going until you find one that works. I'm just saying, like, we have this hands-free, like, there's a two-week free trial. You, you try out the ministry for two weeks, and if you come back and say, Pastor, that kid's ministry almost cost me my life. <laughs> All right, you sissy. We'll find out another area of ministry. If you come back and say, I tried digital media and I caught the soundboard on fire. Well, we'll take that as a sign that the Lord's leading you somewhere else. The point is, church, is if you're trying to figure out how to be moved by God, hear me, you got to move. You're not going to discover where God's moving you if you're just staying in place. And it starts with serving his church. Jesus did it. He served his church, laid his life down for the church. So that's a great starting place in trying to figure out where God is moving me, is start serving and just go from there. Pray first, pray, and secondly, start moving. And I promise you, he'll lead you into what he has. Amen? God bless you as you go with the Lord. He's going with you. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us 
at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you. 